Well, good morning. It's uh, great to see all of you who are here. I wish I could see a lot more of you, but I'm glad those of you who are here are here with us this morning. And I'm glad for all of you who are tuning in by way of the Internet uh, to join us. You know, just in case uh, you're watching and you're disappointed that you didn't get in because you ended up on the waiting list, I just want to assure you of something. You're not alone. My wife didn't make the cut, okay? She's not here this morning. Uh, we are trying to come up with a remedy uh, for next week, as you know, two services. Um, but the thing I want to emphasize that I don't believe we talked about before is that you have to sign up every week, okay? Don't just assume that if you signed up last week, you're good for the week that's coming up because we have to have that process over and over again in order to know how many people are coming and uh, what we're supposed to do as we move forward. We look forward to the day that we don't have to worry about this anymore, but right now we're trying to follow protocol that we think is important and uh, we want to be uh, a group of people in this church um, that are being careful and loving our neighbors because that's what it's about, uh, love of neighbor. I, I guess you've experienced something like this somewhere along the way. I remember a couple of years ago, my wife and I and uh, a couple friend of ours took a, a vacation to the Northwest. Uh, we started in Seattle, and then we drove all the way down the coast on U.S. Highway 101 uh, to observe the coastline. Oregon and in California down to a town called Crescent City. But I'll tell you what happened on that trip. As we drove, every five to ten minutes, my wife and her friend would say, stop, we got to see this. And we'd pull over. And then we'd drive a little further and stop, we got to see this. And then we'd pull over. I don't think our plan was to stop 15 times on U.S. Highway 101, but we had to stop. Why? We hadn't planned to, but we just had to look at it a little bit longer because it was so beautiful. So those of you who are perceptive and remembering what the topic was last week may remember that we're still in the same chapter. And I want to tell you something that wasn't planned. We're in a series called The Good News According to Jesus. And this week I was going to move on. But the scenery, the beauty of the words, I just couldn't. I said, we got to stop on U.S. Highway Bible Story <laughs> and think about a few words. And the words that struck me that I wanted to emphasize this morning that we had to come back to were these. The particular phrase, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I've chosen you to go forth. I've chosen you. You didn't choose me. I want to think about what it means to be chosen. What does it mean to be chosen? If you think about the historical story of the disciples, 
what you will realize is they were chosen in what almost seemed random ways. Remember the story of Nathaniel? He was under a fig tree, and Jesus said, come and follow me. You remember the story of Peter, James, and John? They were fishing, and Jesus said, you can drop those nets and come follow me because I've got a different job for you. It's fishing for people. It was as though Jesus was walking and then just identified someone and said, come, follow me. But we know it wasn't random. It was the sovereignty of God that chose those people who later became known as the 12 disciples. And there's a sense, there's always a sense when you study the Scripture that it's not just about those people. It's also about us. Or to put it another way, in probably the most famous words concerning being chosen by God, in the epistle to the Ephesians in chapter 1, 4 through 5, Paul says, God chose you before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined you to be adopted as His dear children. Not just the twelve, but you. You. You're here this morning because you're a Christ follower. It's likely you're listening this morning because you're a Christ follower. But you know, don't you? You didn't really choose Jesus. He chose you first. And you heard the call. So what does it mean to be chosen? First, I think, among other things, Speaking of stopping for a while, we could stop for a long time just on this topic and turn it into a whole series of sermons. But let me skate across the surface and suggest we were chosen for joy. We were chosen for joy. Maybe a human analogy would be helpful. Over the years at ECC, there's been a lot of weddings we're a young church, we have lots of college students, and, and a lot of times we're busy in the summer marrying people. You know what a wedding is? A wedding is two people publicly celebrating their chosenness. They're celebrating that of all the people in the world, he chose me. She chose me. It's a celebration that leads to unbridled joy. Why? Because the one who chose and the one who is chosen is choosing the other and being chosen for the purpose of exhibiting joy. They're joyful having been chosen. They're joyful to choose. They're absolutely immersed in joy for one another as they declare their love for one another. So what does it mean to be chosen by God? It means that we have been given an opportunity to enter His joy, 
to experience His joy over us. It's stunning to think that God rejoices over us. But God does. Probably the most profound story to illustrate such rejoicing is when the prodigal son leaves and he's off in the far country and he's living in a way that his father never wanted him to live and his father looks for him daily. And eventually the young man comes back and what happens? The father rejoices over him. He throws a lavish party. And the text states, this is the way it is in heaven. When one person, one sinner, comes to God. God is rejoicing over you. He's rejoicing over us. And for that reason, He asks us, in effect, to enter His joy and rejoice over Him. Second thing we're chosen for is not just for joy, we're chosen for love. Remember this passage so well, greater love has no one than this, than a man lays down his life for his friends. That's in the passage that we read just this morning. And Jesus is predicting his sacrificial death. But let me read you another several verses that demonstrate this kind of love. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 6, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners. Let me add something. While we were still unworthy. While we were still living in our sins. While we were still running away from God. Why, while we were still enemies of God, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can you imagine a greater love? We were chosen for joy. We were chosen for love. And we were chosen as friends. Don't you love the description that is in John's gospel here? So no longer do I call you servants. Servants are in a different category. And when you think about the analogy, you might find some offense in it as a a person in the 21st century because we just don't experience slavery and servants. But Jesus, understanding his own culture, said, you're not servants, not for me. Because a servant, even though he does his, his master's bidding, that servant is not a part of the master's heart. That servant doesn't sit down at dinner with him. 
and consult with him and ask him what he ought to do. He doesn't share his inner soul with his servants. You're not servants, you're friends. I've chosen you to be my friend, a friend of God. There was an ancient tradition among kings and emperors. There was an inner circle in their courts. And that inner circle was often called friends of the king, friends of the emperor. It didn't mean they actually had a high-ranking post. It didn't mean that they were military generals. It certainly didn't mean they were servants. It meant that they were friends of the emperor. And tradition tells us that the friendship was so personal that the emperor would allow them to enter his inner chambers to discuss with them, to think about life with them, to make decisions because he was talking to them. Jesus says, you're not servants, you're friends. You understand me. I understand you. You know my heart. You do my bidding, no doubt. But you do my bidding because of a relationship that's deep in terms of friendship. Not just some Lord commanding a servant. We've been chosen for joy. Chosen for love. Chosen for a deep friendship. And finally, We've been chosen to be ambassadors. Our text this morning says, go and bear fruit. Remember last week when we talked about the vine and the branches? Go and show everyone that you're living in the vine. Go and demonstrate to everyone that you're connected with me. Go and bear fruit. You were born again for this. Not for yourself, but for me, for my kingdom. Go bear fruit. And of course, the chief characteristic in this passage of those who bear fruit is that they love one another. They love their brothers and sisters. In the great commandment, they love their neighbors as themselves. Just stop. I'm not preaching a sermon on this topic, but just stop and ask yourself, what does that mean in our contemporary climate? Go and be ambassadors, says Jesus. Go and bear fruit. Go and share this good news that you've been chosen and that God is calling them. In conclusion, I, I want to admit something. Every analogy has its weaknesses. Every analogy breaks down. 
So when I refer to marriage, when I refer to a romantic relationship, when I refer to personal relationships like friendships, every one of them breaks down, but they're all we've got. So let me make a distinction between the analogies I've just used and the reality of Jesus and us. Here's something you'll recognize. You may have a very close friend. He's closer than a brother. A friend, I hope you do, that you can share your heart with. A friend that, quite frankly, you don't want to share with everybody else. Oh, you want him to be known or her to be known. You want her to be known as a loving person. You want him or her to love other people. But there's some sense in which he or she is your friend. And there's safety in that circle. A deep trust. And not improperly, you're jealous of it. You may have another relationship, a romantic relationship. Maybe one that hasn't yet led to marriage or maybe one that is marriage. And honestly, you don't want to share it with anybody else. I don't want to give my wife to another. She's mine. I'm hers. That's special. So here's where the analogy breaks down. When I share Jesus Christ the one who can be and is more intimate than any human relationship I have. I don't share Jesus Christ exclusively. I can't keep Jesus Christ to myself. Because Jesus Christ is the living, eternal, breathing Son of God. Jesus Christ is the source of all love, even the love I have for Him and for another. Jesus Christ cannot be divided up because someone else has an intimate relationship with Him. It doesn't threaten my relationship with Him. There's enough of Jesus to go around. Everyone can experience Him as intimately as another one does. He's the beginning and the end. He is present in our lives and absolutely above our lives as the sovereign Lord. He is both judge and redeemer. He is more than enough for all people and sharing him does not diminish him or us. As a matter of fact, sharing him 
is a requirement. You can't keep Jesus to yourself or you don't know Jesus. So what's our mission? As those who have been chosen to give Jesus away. To invite others into the same relationship we have. And there's no way it will be diluted because his love is eternal and reaches to all people. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. We thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still on the outside, while we were enemies of God, while we were deep sinners causing harm on others, while we may have been violent offenders, you reached out and you loved us. And you demonstrated that love in becoming the sacrificial atonement for our sins. Lord, if if we really bear fruit that demonstrates your love to the world, our world will change. Help us not to be self-centered people, angry people, vindictive people, Help us to be ambassadors of the divine love of God. In your name we pray. Amen.